Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, today we have a discussion, the complicated legislation of how the military should be addressing sexual violence from the perspective of those currently on active duty. And we have as a panelist Diana Dennis. She is a U.S. Army veteran and a national advocate and activist on women's veterans issues and lead administrator for social media service, Women Who Serve. And we are so glad to have you on, um, Diana. And I know you have two guests uh, on with you, if you'd like to uh, introduce them. And then give us like an opening statement about this particular issue. Good afternoon. I'm so glad that we're all back on here and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) Yes. Glad it's 2021. (laughs) It is. We have made it. it didn't start out well. But no. <laughs> we have a we have a couple of um, dynamic young women who are both active duty Navy. I will address them by their first names only: Taylor and Jerry. And Taylor has uh, been on active duty for several years. She is uh, continuing her um, bachelor's degree, and we'll be wrapping that up soon. And she was a air crewman and was re-rated. She felt that she was retaliated. Mm-hmm. And so against for, you know, the issues that we've been discussing, which are sexual violence in the military. Mm-hmm. Jerry, also Navy, um, is getting out in just a few months as a result of a medical diagnosis stemming from sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um She's about to wrap up her bachelor's degree. She's got one term left. She's spent nine years in the Navy so far. And they have uh, a fair amount to say about the issues that they've uncovered. They created a new group on uh, social media that deals with um, rape and trauma and harassment in the military warriors. Um, And they're going to talk to us a little bit about that, but they're also going to address some of the issues that start before people even get into their active duty arena. Uh, very nice to have you here today, Taylor and Jerry. Thank you for having us, Diana. And what I would, what I'd like you to do is just talk a little bit about the discoveries that you got. They've got a very large group. They've got uh, you know over ten thousand people and. Mm-hmm. that are in here, and the majority of them are active duty. And what they have discovered about sexual violence in the military will change some of the aspects of what we're asking for in addressing differences for the I.M. Vanessa Guillen uh, Act before it is reintroduced um, in probably February um, into the new Congress, into the 117th Congress. It did not pass on the last go-round. And so there are some things we want to add. And, Jerry, I'd like you to address, if you could, um, some of those foundational things that you guys discovered about um, what happens before people even get to the entry station. Jerry? 
Oh, she may be on mute. Um. Hello? Yeah. Taylor, sorry. would you like to pick that up? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, um, so what we found in the group is that upon starting the um, our group worth, we found that it, it didn't only happen while we were active duty. Uh, to some of our members, that actually did happen even before that. Some had happened even before they, they joined a branch. It started in the recruitment office. Some had happened while in Deb, and then some had happened, you know, after they signed their enlistment and they became members of the branch and went through their boot camp. So what we're looking at is when we're talking to the members, what we want is with all these problems starting there, we actually asked our group and and talked about it. And we would like to see, you know, cameras in every in every room to be able to, um, you know, not only in recruiting stations, duty stations, the commands, but also in MET and as well as in boot camp, just to keep everybody honest. When, when people were talking to you, did they know what to do when they got assaulted by a recruiter? Because that's what you're talking about at the entry station as a recruiter. Unfortunately, no. There's no... A given standard for the people that even before joining know what to do. There, a lot of people end up just kind of writing it out and just you know going through the process of joining the military. They don't know how to go forth. They don't know who to talk to about it. So that's an issue. And, and if in fact there were cameras, and I know that you guys had talked about them putting together some form. What are you talking about when you say that a form should be completed at the recruiting station and at, and at the entry station before they ever go on active duty? So, so uh, we, go ahead, Taylor. Okay. So we want a form to be defined so that the uh, patient at MEPS where they get all of the, uh, their medical, where they're seen by medical providers, we want a form written so that the provider and the patient have to sign where it clearly outlines what the provider is doing, et cetera, and have the patient sign to it, consenting to everything that's being done. And this just kind of goes along with, the, you know, with putting cameras everywhere. If uh, a provider were to violate anything on that form and do something, assault a patient or you know, say explicit comments to her, uh, it would be in writing that they they signed that they were, they knew not to do that in the first place, so. So do you guys think that before they even, you know, I, I guess maybe it, it had occurred to me, uh, somebody asked me about this last night, that they do an ad campaign with the National Ad Council and get a lot of celebrities and former military, like, you know, John Cena and T. Marie and folks like that that are really well-known to do a national ad campaign to tell people that they do not have, what they do and do not have to do when they are coming through their entry stations, because young people have no clue. They don't know what they're facing. What was that? Did you ask us if we thought about doing an ad campaign? Was that the question? Yeah, if you if that is something that that your group, you're pretty large, would be interested in doing to give a warning up front, and do you think DOD should fund this? Of course, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think you know, being in the military, you come from all sorts of different backgrounds and walks of life. So, um, 
there are people that don't even know what is and what isn't okay. So I think advertising that in an ad campaign would definitely be beneficial and and necessary. And I think the DOD should fund that so people know what they're getting themselves into when they join the military and what is and isn't acceptable. Exactly. Now, I, I have yet another question. If you guys could kind of split this up between you and decide who you want to do it. But um, you talked about the Navy is, is a, a, a group that has a little bit different situation than the, you know, the, the more uh, solid bases and installations and facilities that the Army, Navy, and Marines have. I mean, we're on land. We're, we're not going to see for long periods of time. Do you guys have on board your ships permanent people and positions to, to do forensic nursing to make sure that your uh, SARP, SAPRO, SARC programs are instituted and that people are well taken care of if there's an incident shipboard? Jerry, you can start if you want. Yeah. Uh, so as far as we know, no, there are not any type of, um, like what you would call a forensic nurse in or on ship. No. That, that would be something beneficial not only for sexual assault victims that are on ships because of being able to do any type of um, rape kit or even be able to understand and immediately process the trauma that the victim is going through would be beneficial for all ships. And I, I know you'd said earlier perhaps on in some of your, your uh, permanent uh, posts that are land-based as well, um, yeah. Do, do your your folks that are dealing with reporting on shipboard are they permanent? Are they in a permanent job, or is this an additional duties as assigned? So this is a so what we have in the Navy is called a Stafford program, so it's sexual assault prevention response, but it's assigned as a an extra duty, a collateral duty to people who already have primary jobs. So what one of our missions is worth, what we're trying to do is get a um, get um, a staffer VA being a staffer victim advocate to being uh, a separate entity, a separate job from somebody's personal job. Because if you're working a primary job on top of already dealing with felony sexual violence, that's just too much to take on. So we think it should be a separate billet. So that person that said designated um, staffer VA could focus all their attention on those cases, the necessary attention that they need. And also having a forensic, uh, a forensic nurse at every duty station, every ship would also just ensure that victim safety and that they could report uh, comfortably and confidentially as well. I know that, uh, you know, I, I saw on your page, I went and took a look and there had been a lot of discussion about um, that the military says that it has zero tolerance, but that, that it really doesn't, even though it's a law. What would you think is the biggest problem when you're trying to get things done in the services and expand these duties, for instance, having a full-time billeted or AFSC MOS for people that are dealing specifically and only with these uh, assault cases? Um, I, would I mean, when we talk about leadership, is it leadership or is it that they're not following the law or is it both? I would both. say the biggest, prop, 
Yeah, it's both. I, I'd say one of the biggest problems is deployability over anything else. I think uh, the mission has become more essential than the people. And so I think a lot of things like sexual assault and sexual harassment cases have just been uh, given the shaft and not paid attention to as much and kind of uh, swept under the rug. For, it's on uh, the back burner. Absolutely. Now, you guys have said a lot um, in passing on these various, and I see this all over different social media pages, about, um, you know, people see a lot of stuff and they don't do anything about it. What do you guys think about that when the bystanders are involved? They need to help be held liable if um, for any reason. You know, we have this see something, say something mentality, but that doesn't go anywhere if nobody's reporting with the bystander intervention. It it has not done a lot of victims any good. And, I mean, it, for for me, it kind of goes back to putting cameras everywhere to hold people accountable. to be Because a lot of the time, whenever anybody goes through an investigation, a lot of the time it is having to do with um, with having proof. And I think that cameras would definitely be able to assist in at least having proof, anything on video. How about you, Taylor? And then you'd you'd be able to know who the bystanders are, too, which would be helpful. Also going off that, that too, uh, there just needs to be a sexual harassment and bystander complicity uh, being held at a – it just needs to be a punitive crime. It just needs to be held to a – higher standard than it is like yes you will be going under the ucmj if you are guilty of this so you're looking at people going to mast if they if they're bystanders or if they're committing sexual harassment as opposed to waiting until somebody has has been subjected to extreme sexual violence yes yes absolutely Mm -hmm. i'm glad that, that you guys are going forward with this um when do you do your meetings and bring more people on board and what in addition to the things we've just talked about what would you like to see in an expanded bill for the Guillen bill so something that um, I know Taylor and I discussed with the group um, making fraternization criminal Um, a lot of we ended up doing a survey just kind of getting everybody's input on what has happened in their own personal assaults and it seems that a lot of the the things that were involved was fraternization and on top of not only were a lot of the the women victims that were part of a junior enlisted group it was also done by a a senior leader so usually about e6 and above so that and that does become a, a serious issue um, Cliff, uh, you and Dr. Arnold, I know that both of you have been pretty mortified by the amount of this that's going on. Um, yes. What types of things have, have you been observing that you would like to see changed as well? Well, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, when you were talking about the bystanders, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the legal standards that, that people have out there about, you know, uh, there is no... Um, legal duty to intervene when you see things going on you if you see a bank robbery you don't you're not legally bound to to uh, do that but i think there's a moral responsibility uh there is a responsibility to we you know we took a do you know a, a 
a, a uh, oath to defend the Constitution mm-hmm. against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And uh, that actually goes against a lot of de- democratic principles to be uh, a bystander and watch something like rape happen or know that this type of uh, behavior, and it's not just waiting for rape to happen, but it's looking at the behaviors that lead to that, you know, lead up to that kind of uh, situation and tolerating them within your unit. And the person who's in your unit is part of your family, is part of your team, and how you can turn your back on a team member is unconscionable. It, 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 it's really something that goes against the morals and the oath that you took to defend the nation. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm really, um, I think that that should be enforced more, that uh, there should be, uh, and uh, when you were talking, I was thinking maybe there's a need for, you know, an, a sexual assault and prevention response officer to be assigned to every unit. We have the medical units, and, you know, uh, white you know, why isn't there a uh, person that's uh, assigned to the units uh, that uh, has an official function to, uh, you know, mediate or to, to talk about and uh, gather evidence and try to figure out whether uh, this sexual assault has occurred and whether there is a, um, uh, you know, we don't wait till you have a disease, right? We don't wait till you have COVID-19 before we uh talking about giving a vaccine <laughs> you know we, we so we need to be looking more on the prevention side so this just never happens uh because you know doing the response side um uh you know in a disaster situation it's very similar to that you know uh so the consequences are there and the person has to live with the consequences of what happened we should have a much more heightened um awareness of what is going on in our units uh the the command structure should be held accountable for it and every person in the unit should be held accountable for it uh to make sure that uh this is uh you know if you have a sister or um, a, an aunt a mom you know a cousin you you don't want to see them uh sexually traumatized and we also have the whole issue now with the LGBTQ um plus community and some of the things that they're facing with harassment and, and those kinds of things, we just cannot tolerate that any longer. And uh, those people who are in the, there should be, uh, you know, a session, as you were mentioning, you know, talking to people about, you know, what is it that you uh, can expect and what should not be happening, right? Because people are, you know, coming into this and they're younger. But we also need to have some kind of uh, DOD-funded training on sexual harassment in a real sense and more at the you know more at the unit level where people actually sit down and talk about this as a group and people realize that you are still you're almost like a family and for you to do that um is just unconscionable yeah and i and i appreciate that because a, a lot of what people have been talking about is toxic leadership with which you know you and cliff and i've discussed before is that mm-hmm. that it's very hard to deal with folks who put deployment over people, and then you can't function well as a unit in a war zone if your unit is fractured by inappropriate behaviors. And and so um, I know that there's been a big push for this, and I know we're coming up on the end of the program, but what I would like to do is have Jerry and uh, – Jerry, if you would go first and then Taylor and just kind of wrap up what you'd like to see – and I'd like to thank you both for taking the risk as active duty people of coming yes. on to talk about it 
because this is a big deal right now, and it is brave of you to do this. Um, if you'd go ahead and, and, yeah. and give your statement first, Jerry. Yeah, we need, we need more people with courage like that. You're so much, uh, you're so right, Diana. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to, uh, Jerry, to answer, uh, to add is what is your bachelor's going to be in? What degree? <laughs> So funny that you ask. I'm actually uh, going to SIU right now. Um, okay. My mother was also, uh, she has her bachelor's in SIU, the Workforce Education and Development. So I am a Saluki. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and I, I think that's great. I, and also, I did want you to know, Taylor is a Chicago native. Um, oh. <laughs> and so she, she was very excited about doing the show today. Taylor, what are you doing your degree in? And again, thank you so much for the taking the risk to come on. Oh, thank you for having me, Diana, anytime. Um, I'm actually about to start at American Military University. I already have a couple years of school left, but I'm going to be finishing my degree in with a double major in legal studies and political science. Oh, my goodness. You have two brainiacs on here. <laughs> Got a couple of brainiacs, and I'm so thrilled. I, I know you guys are a little bit nervous, but I, I can't thank you enough. And Cliff and Dr. Arnold, I, I super appreciate it. And, of course, you, Glenda, because these are serious issues. And our young people, that, and they are the majority of our military, is very young. And we need to take better care to make sure that they are safe while they're taking care of this country. Yes, 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 absolutely. And uh, if you want to make a quick comment, you know, uh, that's fine. But we have about 20 seconds to go. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much from Taylor and I. We just wanted to thank everybody. And um, the biggest thing is if. If you need to come forward to be able to say anything while you're active duty, the best thing to do is to take care of yourself, which is that that is what we decided to do when we ended up forming Worth, is that not only with Vanessa Guillen's death, um, we also wanted to take care of each other, and we didn't. This was our last and final straw that we wanted to see no more of our sisters or even our, our brothers that have been a victim of, like, sexual violence. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And again, uh, you know, thank you, uh, Partners uh, Service, Women Who Serve. And Diana, um, you know, you have been wonderful, uh, Taylor, and also uh, Gerald. You, you are just uh, phenomenal. You are uh, people who should be uh, part of the courage of this nation. And we need to move forward, especially after the things that have happened recently. So uh, we uh, also want to extend uh, the well wishes to the family of Capitol Public Officer uh, Sicknick, who uh, passed away in that unfortunate um, uh, coup uh, issue. And we, uh, we had to bring this nation back together. So we had to stand together as service members and as people who are citizens of this country. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.